Go ahead and put up the first slide, please. Go ahead and put up the first slide, please. Anybody ever have this challenge, problem when you were younger? When I was maybe 11, 12, 13-ish, I know it's going to be hard for you to believe this. I was kind of a runt. I couldn't gain weight. In, in, in my classes in school, I was uh, the, the skinniest kid. I was the puniest kid. I know, shocking, hard to accept, but it's true. And uh, my mom, she's worried about me. Why isn't this kid gaining weight? Why is he such a runt? And so she took me to a doctor. And this was a good doctor. And he gave me all kind of tests and examined me from the top to the bottom, trying to figure out why won't this kid grow? And uh, actually, even before we went to the doctor, and I wasn't looking forward to that, my mom threatened me. She said, if you don't start eating better, if you don't start gaining weight, I'm taking you to the doctor. And she kept her word. This guy checks me out, and he can't find anything wrong. I don't remember if he uses words like he's the perfect specimen or something like that, but the, nothing on the test came back and explained the reason why Jeff's puny. And then he started talking to me about my diet. He said, what do you eat? What do you drink? I said, my mom, she had been... One of her theories was that the reason I was so skinny, couldn't gain weight, was because of a couple things. I'd come in from school every day, and I would fill up on these cool things. Anybody ever had a hostess ding-dong? Anybody? Everybody? Yes? So here's the mystifying thing about this. It says on the box that each ding-dong has 310 calories. And if, if, you rem if those of you who are aficionados of good food, you will remember that these things, and I have not opened the box because I know what will happen if I do. Uh, but they used to be in tenfold. And I'd come home, and I could eat several of these and uh, just never could get enough of them. If we had three of them left, I'd eat three. If we had a box, I'd eat a box. And it kind of a mystifying thing. I mean, basically, it's 300 calories a bite. So why, why am I not gaining weight, even bad weight, eat, eating this stuff? And I'm eating these things, and I'm drinking uh, orange soda. Orange like, like sun-kissed and, and those kind of things. I mean, I'm just, so every day, that's my, that's my diet. And when it came time for, for supper, and, and you got healthy options, you know, vegetables and, and protein meat and stuff like that, why, why is this only child not hungry for the better stuff? 
because I filled up on the, on the ding-dongs. Now, you're sitting there asking yourself, well, why would his mama, who's a good mother, why would she buy this when she knows that it's keeping him from eating the butter stuff? I'm an only child. That's why mama would buy the ding-dongs. And we've got only children here this morning, and your parents probably also, if you wanted ding-dongs, you got ding-dongs. Swiss cake rolls, too, those little Debbie, I mean, when they were out of ding-dongs, that was the the go-to food after that. But this was, for me, a major problem. And because I was feeding and gorging myself on garbage, I had no appetite for the better stuff. And it was causing me to be Skinny, malnourished, a runt, not as strong as I needed to be. So, after we have this consultation with the doctor, he says, the ding-dongs and the orange drink with all that sugar in it, it's got to go. And so, I can proudly say to you, it has been probably close to 35, 40 years, I know I don't look that old, since I've had a ding-dong. And honestly, I don't miss it too much, but I know how I'm wired. I know that, that if, I'm, if I'm not careful, I can, I can get back into that or something similar to that and, and when I get into that, it, it takes up space that should go to other things, more healthy things. Can, can you identify with this on a, on a physical level? Probably so. But, but we're not so much interested in being, uh, I mean, it's good to be strong physically and robust and healthy and have a great diet and eat the, eat the proper things and the vitamins and cast aside the garbage. It's important that we take care of our, our bodies. But, but we know that our number one goal is to take care of our spiritual body. And there's a principle at play here that, that does carry over into that eternal part of us. That we can be guilty, I know you understand what I'm saying when I put it this way, of of feeding on spiritual ding-dongs, trash, stuff that's unhealthy for us. And we can get so distracted and and busy with that, that that we don't have room for what is good, what is healthy, which causes us to develop some, some spiritual strength, some, some muscles from heaven. I want you to notice what our assignment is from the Word of God. Start with me, please, in Ephesians chapter 4. We've we got to see what God's will is concerning our intake, concerning our diet. And this is Ephesians chapter 4. Beginning with verse 14. Do you have it? Ephesians 4, beginning with verse 14. And just figure out with me by looking at these texts what our job is, what God wants us to do. That we should no longer be children 
tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But, verse 15 says, speaking the truth in love, we can't just speak the truth, we gotta do it in a loving way. Here's the assignment. May grow up in all things into him. In every area of our life. You see that phrase, in all things? Grow up in all things into him. Who's the him? Who is the head? Christ. And then he talks about all of us together, verse 16, for whom the whole body joined and knit together, one of our favorite words, together, by which every joint, every member supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. All of us doing what we can do. And notice the result. Causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. Do you get the beautiful picture there? When, when I grow, you grow. When you grow, I grow. When you grow, we all grow. When I grow, the church grows. So this really, really matters. This is significant. The, the best thing we can do for the church is to work on our diet. Want a more loving church? I get to be more loving. Want a more evangelistic church? I get to be more evangelistic. Want a more patient church? Want a, a, a more generous church? Want a more whatever church we want it to be, which is consistent with God's will, that means we start with the person in the mirror. I eat better spiritually so that everybody can develop. We, we do this together. Isn't it much easier? Have you ever been on a di physical, literal diet, right? Isn't it much easier when you're doing this in partnership with other people who are working with you, who are encouraging you, who are trying to do the same kinds of things? It's hard to eat healthy when we're surrounded by people who are not doing the same. Okay, look at another passage. This is 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. Oh, I love this one, don't you? 1 Peter 2, beginning verse 1. What's our assignment? Therefore, laying aside, get rid of the junk. It doesn't say the spiritual ding-dongs, but kind of fits. Laying aside what? Malice. We're not to have unkind feelings towards each other. All deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. So we, that's, we're getting away, getting away from the bad and we're embracing the good which helps us to get away from that. We're replacing, we're pulling out the bad light bulb and we're replacing it with something better. So what is the alternative here that's superior? As newborn babes desire, want this. How can you tell when a baby's hungry? They're sounding out. They will not be satisfied until they get that meal. As newborn babes, that is to be our level of intensity. Desire, want it, strive for it, yearn for it, have a passion for it. Desire the pure milk of the word. Why? That you may grow thereby. If indeed that you have tasted that the Lord is Gracious, so we stop with the junk food of the world. We replace it with the pure and wonderful food, the word of God. And it is 
tasty. It is delicious. So from this passage, what do we understand? Again, our assignment. What is the one job that babies have? Grow. Grow. And then look while we're over in Peter. Look at 2 Peter, please. Chapter 1. Begin of verse 5. For this very reason, giving all diligence, and we're going to do some adding. Adding is another word for growing, isn't it? And call this a, a ladder of faith. We add to your faith virtue. We add to our virtue knowledge. We add to our knowledge self-control. We add to our self-control perseverance. We add to our perseverance godliness. We add to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. We're adding, adding, adding. There's no subtracting of the good. It's just addition that results in wonderful growth. Verse eight, what a great promise. For if these things are yours and abound or growing, You'll be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he who lacks these things is a runt, what he's saying here, short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, talking to the church, talking to me, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. And then this great phrase, for if you do these things, you'll never stumble. Do what things? Grow. Don't become complacent. Don't become satisfied. Don't think, well, I'm, I'm doing okay because I'm better than him. That can't be the standard. There's always going to be somebody, most likely, that we're doing better than. By the way, there's also likely going to be somebody out there doing better than us. We're just trying to grow. We're just trying to add and add, and of course the devil's trying to get us to subtract the good and add the bad. Look at 2 Peter 3, 18. 2 Peter 3, 18. Again, just looking at passages, reminding us of our divine assignment here. It says, but grow, but grow in what? In the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And one more. Turn over to the left in your Bible, please, to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5. Oh, the Hebrew writer, he was frustrated in this section of Scripture. Verse 12, he's frustrated because they hadn't been growing. The whole, I mean, they've been in Christ for a while, and they're still skinny. They're still runts. They need to go to the great physician, get checked out, figure out what's going on. And the point he's making, how long have you been a Christian? And, and, and still you need somebody to come and teach you? You ought to be teaching other folks. Look, look at this. This is Hebrews 5, again, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principle of the oracles of God that you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, of those who, by reason of use, were using these things, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Their growth is stunted. And the formula for that is to start teaching. Nobody learns more than the one doing the teaching. And, and you understand, 
what, is, what has happened here, that they've gotten out of practice of, of sharing Christ and the, the news of Christ with other people. How do you get better at, at, at playing tennis, at playing the piano, at cooking, at, at whatever? Practice, practice, practice. How do we get better at, at, at eating? We, we practice good nutrition. It, it starts today. With we, we, we slide the cake away. We slide the pie away. We slide the ding-dongs away. We slide that away, and we replace with something that is healthy, with something that is nutritious, and we practice that day after day after day, and the good results follow. Next slide up there, please, if you don't mind. So what is our assignment? What is our Father's expectation of us? That we grow. That we grow, understanding that whenever we're not growing, then we're sick. And there, there's a problem, there's a challenge that we need to address. And it's not just grow, but we got a, a specific objective to grow unto or to grow into, and that's Jesus Christ. Remember what, what Paul told the church of Ephesians, grow into Christ, into what Jesus was, what Jesus is. Do you agree with this? We got to look at him, we got to look at Jesus so we can look like him. We got to look at him so we can look like him, so we can appear to be like him. Hebrews 12, 2, remember, we're to be looking unto Jesus. You also agree with this, that we must listen to him so we can sound like him when we speak to others. What a, what a lofty goal that is, to have our speech mimic the speech of Jesus, to have our heart, our attitude, mimic the heart and attitude of Jesus. What a wonderful world it'll be when all of us are thinking as Christ and speaking as Christ and doing as Christ. So we've got to see Jesus. But other people get to see Jesus in us. And it helps them to grow as well. We get to be closer to Jesus so we can be closer to each other. Do you agree with this? Our growth in Christ is proportional to our proximity to Christ. The closer we are to Jesus, the more we're going to be like Jesus. The better we see him, the more we're going to be looking like him. The better we listen to him, the better we're going to be speaking like he would want us to speak. By the way, that passage, that this, this reference there, Matthew 17, 5, that's where... Jesus has been up on this mount. We call it Mount of Transfiguration. There's some changes going on in, in, in the face of Jesus and, and the great prophet and lawgiver Moses and Elijah. And, and Peter, you remember, he gets all excited. He wants to build a, a tabernacle, a monument to each of the three. And, and he, he's reprimanded, in a sense, by this great voice from heaven. It is the voice of God. Speaking of his son, Jesus said, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. And, and, and so that's our objective, to, to hear Jesus in every matter of relevance. Hear what he says about worship. Hear what he says about forgiveness. Hear what he says about the way our families ought to be. Hear what he says even in regards to our behavior towards our enemies. 
We're hearing him. We're looking at him. We're becoming more like him. And we are growing into the image of Jesus Christ. Think about, think about these three fellows, Peter, James, and Saul. And how their proximity, their nearness to Christ, their seeing Christ, what that helped them to grow into. Remember Peter and his uh, fellow apostles, they're rowing in this boat, it's a storm, and they don't like it, and they're scared, and, and they see Jesus coming, and they don't know it's Jesus, they think it's a ghost, they're even more afraid. But when they realize it's Christ, when, when he gets near, he's not just getting near to the boat, he's getting near to them. And, and do, you, do you remember the, the effect of, of his closeness, what, what that did to them, particularly what it did to Peter? He's gone from being fearful to so, so much faith. He's saying, I want to walk on water like you're walking on water. And of course, let's, let's not allow what happens later, him sinking, to diminish the fact that for a time he's walking. on the, Who else has done that? Jesus, Peter, that's the list. Of course, when he takes his eyes off of Jesus, a great lesson for us, then he struggles. Then he starts to sing. But you notice Christ is so, so patient with him. Doesn't make him struggle. Doesn't make him nearly drown. Shortest prayer, most emphatic prayer, Lord, save me. And see, when we've taken our eyes off Christ, that's a good prayer for us. Lord, save me. Help me again to focus on you. And, and, and of course, in response to prayer, there was an immediate lifting up of it. There was an immediate reply. Christ doesn't want us to struggle here. He doesn't want us to splash around in these dangerous waves. And then you got James. And that James I'm talking about, I'm thinking about, is, is the brother of Jesus. He grew up in the home with Christ and did not believe that his brother was the son of God. Until, according to 1 Corinthians 15, he sees Jesus... He gets near Jesus after Christ comes up from the grave. And then he grows so remarkably. He's one of the greatest leaders in the Lord's church, not just then, but at all times. What changed? He's seen his brother. He's seen Christ up from the grave. And when we see, oh, that's why it's so beautiful what Christ had planned for us in this morning, coming together, partaking of the Lord's Supper, and we're seeing what James saw. We're seeing who Peter saw walking on the water. We're seeing him on the cross, but we're seeing him up from the grave also. And then think about Saul. Acts chapter 9 and following, right? There could not be anybody more lost than that poor fella doing such, such horrible things to good people. What changes? He sees Jesus. He sees a risen Lord. In his blindness, he can see that. Does anybody in our Bible grow more than Saul, the apostle Paul? Probably not. And what was the genesis of that? What was the, 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 the kickstart of that? It was the moment he sees Jesus. And, and what can transform us? Think about it. And maybe, maybe nobody here needs transforming. Maybe, maybe you got none of this spiritually in your life. Maybe it's all about this and you're good and it's all wonderful and growing. But... Just maybe, just maybe, there, there's somebody either in the house or watching online. Thank you for joining us online this morning. That, that, that is struggling, that, that <clears throat> is losing some ground, spiritually speaking. Not as big, don't, don't quite weigh what we used to weigh in the most important areas of 
our, our life. And, and one way to, to really get, get back to the, the, the growth trajectory we need to be on is to once again see Jesus. I'm, I'm just going to see him on block out. Think about all the things that are competing, vying for our time, our attention, that, that want us to feed on them. Give us, give us the best of us or get the best of us. To be him, we need to see him. And him there, of course, is Jesus Christ. Go to the next slide, please. Can you think of it this way, maybe? And, and probably you'd come up with a better list of verbs than, than I have come up with here. But, but in a sense, I, I preach a lot about, or I think I want to preach a lot about the verbs of Christianity. So many good things we get to be involved in. Busy, right? It's hard for the devil to hit a moving target. So we got all these good things we get to be doing. I appreciate Grant talking about how Christ was a servant. He, he knew, he, remember, talked about this not too long ago. Christ knew he had just one day left, and what does he spend his last day doing? Washing feet. We got one day left. I'd love to think that all of us would be wanting to be engaged in that kind of activity. Thinking of other people. How can I be a blessing to somebody else? So we, we replace our verbs for his verbs, right? Loving as Jesus loves, replaces our tendency to be loathing of those that we disagree with or sin differently than us. Serving replaces sitting. Praying replaces pouting or doubting. Reconciling replaces antagonizing. Reconcile, by the way, means to make friends again. Uniting replaces dividing. No time for that. Mending replaces offending. Encouraging replaces discouraging. Giving and sharing replaces getting and hoarding. Enduring, and we got to endure. Enduring replaces quitting. Starting is easy, isn't it? Starting the family, starting the job, starting the education, starting the good habits. We, we can do that. It's can we sustain that? That is a sign of maturity, isn't it? If we look back in our lives, got all these unfinished projects, maybe there's some work that needs still to be done. Uh, forgiving replaces resenting. Give yourself that gift. Just forgive. It'll bless your life more probably than the target of the forgiveness. Evangelizing the lost replaces ignoring those that are lost. Let me ask you a profound philosophical question. Next slide. Why, my friends, does the pumpkin on the porch stop growing? Because it is no longer connected to the vine. Why would we stop growing when we are no longer connected to the vine? John chapter 15, verse 1, great discussion from Christ about how he is our vine. And we are the branches. And we got to abide in that vine. We got to maintain that, that strong connection, that strong contact, that strong gift. We want to have growth. We want to have health. We want to have life. 
We got to be connected to the source of growth, to the source of health, to the source of life. So what can threaten that connection? Oh, everybody has their own unique list. Here's some, here's some possibilities, right? Unconnected friends. If the people that, that I'm around, a significant chunk of my life, if they're not connected to the vine, that will have a tendency to cause me to be disconnected to the vine. Now, hopefully, I'm using those as opportunities for evangelism to help those that are unconnected to also connect to the vine. What a great thing that would be. But if we find that our folks in the world are pulling us more in their direction than we're pulling them in the direction of Christ, then we've got to make some spiritual business decisions. And so I need to spend less time around this toxic person. Uh, sickness. I grew up, as you know, in the house with, with uh, people that were physically sick from time to time. And in and my mother's sickness, I saw actually it strengthened her connection. Uh, sometimes it does that for us. When, whenever our, our bodies are falling apart, it kind of helps our spirit to say, hey, I need Jesus more than I ever need Jesus before. But sometimes sickness can, can, can physical sickness can actually lead to, to, to spiritual sickness because, because we just... We don't do sick very well, some of us. Why is God allowing me to go through this? Why, why do I have this struggle? And, and I, I lose contact. That's why it's so critically important, friends, that as we are aware of people in our circles of love and influence that are physically struck, physically sick, we, we can't let that, that sickness cause isolation from, from our love, from our communication. I'm not saying that we should go to someone who's physically sick and endanger our physical health, but I'm saying there are ways to reach out. There are ways to communicate. There are ways to love, including, right, I'm praying for you, but it can't be just, hey, I'm praying for you. I, I hope God will take care of you. One of the ways... God answers those prayers that we pray for sick people is through us, through the things we drop off and leave at the porch or put in the mailbox, by the, by the calls, by, by the notes we send. I fear, don't you, that there are people, good people, the best people, that are physically sick and, and when you're sick, you're, you're out of sight of others. And, 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 and maybe if they're out of sight, they think they're out of our mind, they're out of our heart. And just, we just don't want people sitting at their house or in a hospital or rehabilitation facilities thinking that nobody cares. And there needs to be evidence that we care, evidence that we love. So may I ask you, I know you're busy, may I ask you this week to, to reach out to someone who may be struggling physically, and that physical struggle can lead to a, a spiritual struggle with some. Now, the folks like I know here most, so like my mother, their faith is, is such an encouragement, it's actually being fortified because they're overcoming the struggle. But we're partners. We're partners in helping people that are physically sick. Let's be engaged in that complacency 
can, can gnaw on the vine that, that uh, connects us to Christ, uh, unrealistic expectations. You know, we can, we can so disappoint ourselves whenever we, whenever we sin, whenever we're not all that we need to be. And, and we say, well, I can't do it. I'm just going to give up. Well, well we got to get up. I mean, there's a lot at stake here. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. God has a remedy for that. God has a plan. I like First First uh, John one seven, as we walk in the light as He is in the light, His Son's blood cleanses us of our sin. We can walk in the light and still occasionally have sin. It's not a good thing, but it is a good thing that His blood is cleansing us. But we got to keep moving. We got to keep trying. It's like, you know, if you're, you're going to die, I will not eat these things anymore. I'm never going to have another one for the rest of my life, so I have one tomorrow. Does that mean I need to just eat? You know, that's the way my mind works, honestly. If I eat, if I eat one chocolate chip cookie, well, I might as well eat 10. If I've committed one sin, I might as well, I'm not saying eating chocolate chip cookies is a sin, kind of, but if I've committed one sin, if I've slipped here, I might as well just quit. I, might as well just, I cannot do it. That's the thinking the devil wants us to have. Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can become a better person, a stronger person. Inactivity can threaten us. Having other gods, loving money too much. Ball, sports can become bail for us. This, this mindset, Sunday fun day, what is that about? Sunday is a fun day because it's the Lord's day. There's nothing more enjoyable than coming together with our brothers and sisters in Christ and our family to let the world know whose side we're on, to, to sing praises with a great song leader like Brother Larry, to remember what Jesus has done on the direction of one of our great elders, Brother Grant, and to have uh, uh, one of our, our veterans, Brother Mike, come and lead us in prayer. I mean, it really, this, this, is a, this is a highlight, Sunday fun day. That, that's not because we get to go to the lake, because we get to go to the golf course, because we get to go to the, 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 uh, the, the fields and look for a deer to kill. I mean, those things have their place. It's not on Sunday. Sunday is God's day. It's the day Jesus came up from the grave. It's the day that Jesus established his church. It's the day we come together to remember and to grow. Um, this child worship, you know, we're, according to the scriptures, we're to teach our children to worship and love God. We're, not, we're to love our children, we're not to worship them. They're not the object of our lives. Jesus Christ is the object of our life. He's the one that's given us our children and we wanna direct them to him. Uh, things becoming kings, taking our eyes off of Christ, lack of divine communication and dialogue. That's true of any relationship, isn't it? Why do some husbands and wives begin to struggle? Because they've stopped communicating with each other. Why do we struggle as parents sometimes? Because communication breaks down between us and our children. Why do we have trouble with our partners in business or our coworkers? You know, it starts oftentimes with a failure to properly communicate with each other. Same with God. God is the love of my life. But I never talk to him. <laughs> I never listen to him talk to me. Something there doesn't quite add up. So to strengthen our grip on the vine, we develop healthy habits. We eat better. Next slide, please. We eat better. We're feeding on the word, right? Getting back to Peter's instruction to us. As newborn babes desire the seal, milk of the words, you may grow the word. Hey, just a question. 
Just a question. This is not an accusation. It's just a question. How much time did we read the Bible this week? What, what answer are you thinking of? How many minutes? How many hours? How much time was I on Facebook? How much time was I texting? I'm not saying that's all bad. I'm just saying, want to grow? Want to grow? Better marriage, better children, better life, better destiny, right here. Not, not, not always on here unless we're in here getting our Bible out. Okay? Make time. There's no, there, there's no puzzle about this. Right? There's an easy to understand causal relationship. If I want to grow, I've got to listen to God. I've got to listen to God. I get to listen to God. Not got to, get to. And, and God wants to hear from me. Imagine that. He wants to hear from me. That's called prayer through Jesus. You know, Christ did everything so remarkably well, didn't he? Bested everything he tried. But it's only his prayer life that so impressed the disciples as the Lord teaches. They didn't say, Lord, teach us to serve. Lord, teach us to heal. Lord, teach us to, to preach. No, Lord, teach us to pray. Examine and emulate the prayers of Jesus. Worship better. Pour ourselves into this. Don't, don't be a consumer. Be, be someone who contributes, who gives into the, to the worship. Spirit and in truth, as Jesus said, John 4, 24. Let's teach better. We learn best when we're teaching others. Let's talk better. Talk about the one who gave all for us. I, I just want to confess to you, I'm trying better about this, and I want you to try with me better. Maybe you've already perfected this, but, but I try now to never have a meaningful conversation with anybody where I don't bring up Jesus. And I've noticed people aren't shying away from me, not yet. I even, even bought four tires this week. You know, when you're buying four tires, it's kind of hard sometimes to work cry. But you can do that. Sorry, not to, not, this is not an accusation again. Just want to ask you. Go over in your mind right now, the last week, how many people did you talk about God to, talk about Jesus to? What's the list? What you got? I talked about football. I talked about the weather. I talked about Afghanistan. Now, all those things I have there play, talked about grandkids. Oh, that's good. But let's not be guilty of talking about anything and everything but the commanded thing or the commanded one. Let's talk about Jesus every day, everywhere, around everybody. That's a good thing. We, what does Jesus say? If we'll confess him before men, talk about him before men, he'll talk about us, confess us before the Father. We've got to garden better, plant good things, good friends, good thoughts, good deeds. Got to pull the weeds. Parable of the soil. Remember Matthew 13? Weeds can choke out growth. We've got to get those things, get those uh, toxins out of our heart, out of our life. Good news, Jesus chokes the weeds, of course. Jesus, think of it this way. Next slide, please. Jesus is our why. Why do we grow? Jesus. Why do we worship? Jesus. Why do we love? Jesus. Why do we forgive? Jesus. Why do we triumph? Jesus. Why do we get to go to heaven? Jesus. He is our why. Why do you have a great marriage? Jesus. Why are you raising godly children? Jesus. Why are you here right now? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then think about this. This is profound. This blows my mind. We are his why. Why did he do what he did at Calvary? Because he loved me. Love you.
so. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for giving us instruction, the assignment to grow, and giving us the diet that will help us to grow, help us to make decisions that will help us to be healthy, certainly in body, but especially in spirit. Father, help us to cast aside those things that will make us spiritual runts and weak and feeble and embrace those things that will build strong spiritual muscles. Help us, Father, to have a diet that sustains us through the best of times and the worst of times and help us to be looking passionately for others that, that need us, that need encouragement, maybe physically sick, spiritually sick, discouraged in some way. Help us to let them know they're part of the vine, part of the family with us. They're not alone. Father, if we need prayers today, help us to pursue them. If we need forgiveness, help us to pursue that. If we need a better diet, help us to, to consume better the word of God that will strengthen us. Help us, Father, to make healthy choices every day, everywhere, around everybody. If we need to put on Jesus in baptism for the forgiveness of sins, as little Ava did last week, help us to make that decision this morning in obedience to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. We love you, Father. Thank you for loving us. In Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen.